Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. It comes with a 20-year warranty. And a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. John Levac. Hello. Freelance journalist, music critic for Mason of Magazine. That's correct. Chandler, we're going to talk about this Ezra Levant thing. Yeah, holy cow. We're going to talk about the Grammys, and we're going to talk about how nobody is statistically proven nobody's <laughs> reading the news anymore. What happened? Welcome to Canada Land Shortcuts. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Celeste Cote, Patrick, P. Smith, Daniel Levitan, Evan Cap, John Chapman, Benjamin Russell, Greg Cameron, and Brennan Dwyer. Brennan, why did you decide to be awesome? Because I think the media needs to be kept in check sometimes, and Canada Land does an awesome job of providing those checks and balances. This episode is also brought to you by the founding sponsor of Canada Land. FreshBooks, cloud accounting. Chandler, you are a freelancer. Yeah. FreshBooks is the friend to the freelancer. If you go to their site right now, they just published the ultimate guide to freelancer tax deductions. OMG. This isn't exciting news to some of us, right? You've got to do your taxes soon. Did you know that your bank fees are tax deductible as a freelancer? Your medical expenses are tax deductible? I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. They publish a free ebook for freelancers. Like, I like this company not just because they have a tool that I use that makes sending invoices 
easier, that makes it really stupid simple to do my accounting, to get paid, to see if people have looked at my invoices, to get paid quicker. But because the sort of ethos of the company is directed towards this new workforce, people who are running small businesses or who are freelancers, and they, they just sort of make it their business to do nice things to inform and help this growing worldwide workforce of freelancers. That's FreshBooks. I dig them. Check it out. Use it for free. The mobile app, the website, the whole thing. You can use all of it for free for 30 days. If you become a customer at the end, tell them that Canada Land sent you. FreshBooks, thanks. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, It's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. Good evening. There is a debate on tonight about who gets to decide who qualifies as media at the Alberta legislature. The Alberta provincial government has banned a media organization, The Rebel, founded by Ezra Levant from the Edmonton legislature. Ezra Levant's Rebel Media says it plans to sue the NDP government for barring its staff from covering provincial announcements. I have my, we already spoke to Darcy Henton. He said yeah. there should be no problem what to come in. What? Sorry, why is that? Sorry, wh- why? The Rebel has been Ezra Levant's very right-wing 
news organization. Yeah, can you explain what the Rebel is? Because I was looking at their website. It looks like a pop-up ad that you get when you're like streaming porn and it just shows up on your computer. You're like, what is this? I was so confused. Like, what is their brand? I'm not one to cast stones about the website, but the Rebel is after Sun News TV. Yeah. Like Ezra invited much mockery by filming himself in his kitchen saying, I won't be defeated. I'm starting my own (laughs) right-wing news site. Ezra is very good at engineering these kinds of reactions. Even back then when, Mm. you know, he very purposely did it like, I'm going to look like a lonely blogger in my basement who's like, okay, my TV station's off the air, but I'm still going to do this. And then, of course, predictably, everybody made fun of him. And then he obviously had a a real plan and and launched this whole, you know, and crowdfunded. And I have questions about whether this is all like individual donation crowdfunding or where the money's coming from. But good on him. I think that he's making a go of it. And it is a hyper-partisan right-wing information opinion organization that really is targeting angry, disaffected, disenfranchised Albertans who feel that this rising NDP government is just completely against them, be they farmers, be they people who work in the oil sands. And he's really mobilizing this very angry energy and and he's been Mm. no friend to the Notley government. But then she comes back and her story has changed. At first, uh, this woman, Cheryl Oates, her director of communications the first time that they turfed the rebels people, they said, we're not singling the rebel out. We don't allow bloggers or online news sources in. Huh. <laughs> A.K.A. everyone in journalism? Every Yeah, and, and, and anyone new, be it BuzzFeed or Huffington Post or Vice. And then later they said, no, 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 we actually are singling Ezra out. They've had like three distinct different positions. So like first it's like we're not singling him out. Then they said, well, we are singling him out because he has said in court, I'm not a reporter. Yeah, which is really fascinating because obviously he has written editorials for the National Post and he has a long track record of being a reporter. I mean, depending on what you think that is. And I guess that's what the center of the debate is. Who and what and how can we classify someone as a journalist? And what does that mean now? I know, but see, you just use those two terms, reporter and journalist, interchangeably, mm-hmm. and and there's light between them. And he's saying, no, no, I'm a journalist. I'm not a reporter. I've never claimed to be a guy <laughs> who's like there, like telling you what happened. An opinion guy is a journalist. Yeah. And then he said he was like, oh, no, I'm a pundit. <laughs> is it pundit or pundit, by the way? <laughs> Chandler, have you been going through your life thinking that it's pundit? I have, actually. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he is. I think that if anyone he is. He is a pundit, though. <laughs> So, Charlevan, <laughs> making, I think, uh, a reasonable case that a pundit is, is a journalist, <laughs> is not a reporter. So then the Notley government, their lawyer, sends a letter saying, our client's position remains that your client and those who identify as being connected to the rebel are not journalists. So that's an interesting thing there. Yeah. Like, so the guy who owns the company is not a reporter because <laughs> he said so. Therefore, those who work for him are not journalists. And all of this is just appalling. You've got the government making these designations. Yeah, that is completely contrary to, obviously, the basic tenets of freedom of speech. And if an Albertan NDP government is doing this, it seems crazy because it's such a tipping point. Yeah, and you would think that some concept of free expression and charter rights would be important to a liberal government, Mm. to the farthest liberal government that we're ever going to elect in Canada being the NDP. But boy, it was not least stupid. First of all, don't feed the trolls. Like, she just like... Oh, my God. Cooked yeah. a delicious, huge steak. Like just, mm, just like, Calgary know. beef. Yeah, beautiful marble beef. And it's just, it's, <laughs> she put a little garnish on it. This is what he feeds on. This is, I know. He's very good at this. And the reaction since has been really predictable and fun. And it's interesting that, like, you rarely can have the entire country 
taking part in this debate, who is and isn't a journalist, yeah. in a way that's connected to an actual news hook. But this is what I heard on Twitter when I said, like, this is appalling. It's just not the government's job to be making these designations. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of tweets from people who hate Ezra Levant. You know, somebody saying, so I guess I could just get a notepad and walk into the legislature and call myself a journalist then, I suppose. And I'm like, yes, now you're getting it. <laughs> you, you could do that. Yeah. And then people were like, yeah, but where do you draw the line? Because then you're going to have a lot of these amateurs and bloggers crowding the press gallery. And like, let's be clear here. This was not a case of so many people in the public really desperately want to hang out in the press gallery. (laughs) And and they just had to close the door somewhere. And it happened to be on Ezra Levant's people. Yeah, the NDP like (laughs) annual meeting is a really hot ticket. That's it. Sorry, we're at capacity, Ezra. We can't (laughs) can't let your person in. No, that's not how this happened. The rebel was not turfed because they ran out of room. They were 86 because they're assholes. Mm. And because they've been assholes to the Notley government. How have they been assholes? Okay, so they've been assholes because even before all this happened, back in June... Ezra had an emergency public town hall meeting, this threat of the Notley government. So to have a reporter come and cover you who is actively campaigning against you, you know you're not going to get any favors from this guy. Why do I call him an asshole? Because when he had this open town hall meeting to discuss this huge threat of the Notley government, he threw out a reporter. (laughs) Al Heli Picasso wrote a story for Canada Lang on how Ezra Levant's goons threw her out of this open town hall meeting. So he's a hypocrite and he's an asshole. And he's specifically an asshole to Notley because... Like I said, like, this is a reporter who is not just there to tell the story of what happened today. Mm. And so she's figuring at the time, well, why should I let these assholes come in every day to just take shots at me? And the answer is because we live in a free fucking society. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. I thought it was so fascinating watching the videos on the website, which are hilarious. And there's one woman, she used my favorite new word, which is journonormative. She is talking about like how people feel sorry for her because she writes for Sun News and nobody takes it seriously. And she's thinking about even going to Columbia so she can get a credible journalism degrees. And she's like, I wish I was a journonormative reporter. It's so funny to me that the credibility could be defined in those terms. If you, you're worried that people aren't going to take your journalistic integrity seriously, then you know maybe write for some other publications. I guess so. I mean, I I do feel like there is this thing that a lot of other societies from the birth of print have gotten used to, which is Mm. that the weird thing is not a journalist who comes from a publication that has a very distinct hyperpartisan point of view. The weird thing is this romantic idea that we have a completely objective reporter who just writes down what they sees sure. and they're a news robot. The press has always been about radical right, radical left, everything in between, a plethora of voices and jerks and covert agents and people who are getting their money. This is why the government shouldn't be a part of it because like there's no knife you can sharpen against Ezra Levant that you're not going to slice your own hand with. <laughs> if the owner of a media company needs to be a journalist in order to consider then, well, Paul Godfrey, when he was accepted to the Canadian News Hall of Fame, said, well, I'm not really a journalist, but thanks for the award. So does everyone at Post Media then not qualify or papers endorse candidates, they take positions. So is it if you're partisan, you're not a journalist, you're not a reporter? It's tricky when you do get to this logistical question of like, there's only so much room in the press gallery, so who do we let in? In Parliament, the press sort of like has a self-governing capacity, which has problems too. I mean, they've done a good job of letting online journalists and and independents in. But, you know, I don't want any body of journalists to have final say over whether I'm a journalist or not, but I certainly don't want a government to be making that call. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a lot of room for nuance in Ezra Levant's reporting. But I do think that his, I guess, reporters should be allowed to attend these events. And, and you know, I think it's it's really dialectical what, what he's doing. And they've certainly taken this incident and, and run with it. And they're turning into, like, 
kind of the screed against the NDP government and this injustice that's been done to them. And it's very dialectical. But I, I mean, that's their thing. I guess that's what they do. But the it also yeah, is a cash grab himself. as he, well. I mean, because now they're asking for money for their lawyer fees. Oh, yeah. This is what Ezra knows how to do is mobilize. I mean, that's why he's as much a kind of professional agitator. And I think he's a really skilled theatrical agent of political theater. So now he's got like Notley is a bully dot CA. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I just plugged it. He's got a crowdfunding <laughs> campaign. Like this isn't news reporting. He's setting up a very large public battle, which he just won because right before we sat down here to record, Rachel Notley announced, yeah, we made a big mistake. That's a big win. Like he got the Globe and Mail editorial endorsing, you know, everybody kind of like through gritted teeth saying, well, I guess we have to stand up for Ezra. And it is at these extremes of speech where these kind of precedents get set. I just feel like the Notley government has now meddled into the independent news scene in Canada by favoring the rebel with this incredible opportunity for promotion and publicity. Like, why didn't she ban Canada? I mean, we don't have anyone there, but, you know, <laughs> I wish she'd have banned me. All right. It was a night of career first for Canadian artists last night at the Grammy Awards. Canadian artists The Weeknd and Justin Bieber took home trophies of their own. The Weeknd uh, won Grammys for Best Urban Contemporary Album and R&B Performance. Justin Bieber won his first ever Grammy for Best Dance Recording. Drake was shut out. And those are just the highest profile examples. According to the Canadian Society of Composers and Songwriters, their members all together scored 25 Grammy nominations. That's everyone, including songwriters, producers, and sound engineers. We did it! We did it! The Beebs got a Grammy! I'm so happy for him. Why is it that after every award show, the coverage here is a list of whether Canadians were nominated or won? Is that an honest reflection of what people want to know after the Oscars, after the Grammys. Well, I think there's that mentality. I remember, you know, being a kid and going to chapters and looking up and they had a uh, display that said, they're Canadian. And it was, you know, Mike Myers and Norman Jewison and Margaret Atwood. I think the first thing you learn as a kid is what Canadians have been successful in American pop culture. You know, it's like, oh, I didn't know Alanis Morissette was Canadian. We feel proud and we feel validated when Canadian artists find success in the States. And that's kind of the way it's always going to be. Do you feel validation or pride when you hear that? Or do you feel like you're cringing because you're like, look, I'm a person of the world. I just want to know what happened at the Grammys. Mm -hmm. I'm not counting the nationalities of the winners and losers. Like, I feel patronized when the arts coverage has some concept of me as this hyper-national, incredibly insecure Canadian who desperately needs to know if Canadians got their due. Really? No, I feel a little bit of a Canadian maple leaf <laughs> chub or something. <laughs> Wait, were you gratified in that in that way? <laughs> yeah, I was like, yo, my boys, they yeah, got it. Yeah. <laughs> However, I mean, not everyone's talking about that. I mean, I think the real talk of the Grammys was just what an incredible politicized performance Kendrick Lamar did and the music that Justin Bieber and The Weeknd and Drake are putting out. I mean, it's a very depoliticized contemporary R&B and hip hop. We don't have a Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. And I guess to whatever extent, the Canadianness of the only person I can really think of on that list, Drake wears it, but he wears it in that kind of like just calling back to the six <laughs> and just trying to basically fluff that chub. Oh, God. This whole podcast just took a really gross turn. No, you, you started. I'm like the perviest person you've ever had on here. What I like about the weekend success, I feel like Drake is like the Judd Apatow of the Toronto R&B <laughs> hip hop scene. And like the weekend is like his Seth Rogen. And we kept being like, I don't know if he's the right kind of R&B star for him. But he just kept putting him out there and like pushing him in our faces until eventually we relented and we kind of fell in love with him. 
And so he's really having his like Seth Rogen moment right now. <laughs> I would just say like Alex Malaco, who's I guess a friend of the show and like one of my closest friends, she wrote this really great article. I mean, speaking of Canadians who are kind of killing it in America right now for New York Magazine. And it was all about The weekend, and it's kind of the relationship that his Grammy Award winning album, The Beauty Behind the Madness, had to cruelty against women and sort of sadomasochism. It's a really well-produced, interesting R&B record. But when you listen to it, all the lyrics are about leaving women and this kind of martyr complex that he has. And a lot of uh, lyrics about popping a woman's pussy, which I don't even know what that means, but... It's just an interesting layer to what we think of, I guess, because we get this warm, cuddly Canadian CBC hug when our artists are validated internationally. But then it's kind of also like, well, what are these artifacts? How are they actually representing us? Right. Besides the win. I mean, Drake is like kind of easier to kind of assimilate into it. I mean, not necessarily. Like if you get into some of it, it, like he's kind of like always playing this forlorn, like, oh, you've you've changed since I left town, like, you know, but it's not direct. Like there might be some kind of tangential slut shaming, but it's not right there in the lyrics. The weekend, you know, nationalist pride. And then you're like, yeah, how cool are we? But it, it doesn't sound like harsh, aggressive, misogynistic rap music that a lot of people hear, even if it was really like good, hardcore misogynistic rap music. Well, I don't, think- I don't think we would be so happy to have an artist like that, but like the weekend kind of gets a pass. Yeah, I think it's just that idea of the Canadianness of what our culture is in these musical exports. Like CFCF, who's a Montreal um, artist who does very sparse, ambient, electronic music. He was nominated for a Grammy, not for one of the categories that we're talking about. But, you know, that's another, like, kind of hometown pride thing. Or when the Arcade Fire won a couple years ago for Album of the Year, and everyone just said, who is Arcade Fire? We relished that, too. It wasn't just the Canadian win. We loved all these American music fans who were like, I've never heard of this band before, and we kind of lorded over them. (laughs) There was kind of a shameful joy that we took in that, especially for a band that never really got much love in Canada before they started to get. Mm. I remember when that was all happening, and you never heard the Arcade Fire on CBC Radio 2. or The first time I ever heard them on anything, I think, was they were on KCRW out of LA. I mean, I think that's just kind of the sad fact of Canadian culture that the more success you have anywhere else that is in Canada, the more you're going to be validated here. And it goes back double. And that goes for film, that goes for comedy, and especially it goes for music. And I think actually Canadian music is one of the best industries that actually is a good example of how you can be successful. And, you know, I think our music industry has actually figured it out in terms of exporting talent, but also having a lucrative career here and, and finding a national identity and a voice. And it's actually supported by our institutions. But... We hate ourselves so much. <laughs> Finally, Chandler, I want to talk with you about, I know this is just going to be very upsetting news to you. The stats can figures are out. <laughs> no. The number of Canadians who rarely or never follow the news has nearly doubled. Back in 2003, 7% of Canadians said that they rarely or never follow the news. Now, 13% of Canadians say they rarely or never follow the news. 13%? Yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. I was kind of expecting that to be higher. I know. That's bullshit. People are lying. There's like more like 20 or 30% of people never follow the news. But what does that mean, follow the news? Because I feel like I follow the news in terms of I look at a scrolling feed on Twitter most of the time when I'm awake. So is that considered kind of an ambient awareness of following the news? Because I'm certainly not watching CB24 or reading the newspaper. Do you read articles on the internet? I do when I see them on Twitter. 
Yeah. Is that how everyone follows the yes. news? Yes. I don't know that there's a news site out there that doesn't get most of its traffic through social. Mm. So yeah, I'd say that counts. Are these statistics taking that into consideration? You can only infer from this that the way the question was asked was, do you follow the news? Sometimes, rarely or never. <laughs> and then the number, you know, I mean, I guess the only thing that you can take from this that is legitimate is that they asked the same question back in 2003 and got very different answers in 2013. So that does tell you something. And it always puts the onus on like, oh, the public is getting stupider. The public Mm. is getting less engaged. No one ever says, well, the news has gotten worse. People find less value in the news than they used to. People feel that they're less represented by their news coverage than they used to. We don't even consider those questions, but now we're like in panic mode. So those stats come out. And then we just learned that a panel of MPs are going to examine the issue of local news in crisis and media concentration. So this, of course, with our newspapers all dying and and media concentration and post-media laying everybody off. So now Parliament's getting involved. They are going to have a panel. Liberal MP Hetty Fry, who's a Heritage Committee chair, said, I know that our government has a strong will to deal with this now. (laughs) That's such a weird comment. Sounds like an Ayn Rand book or something. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to embark on an expansive study of how Canadians and especially local communities are informed about local and regional experiences through news, broadcast, digital, and print media, according to a motion passed Tuesday. I have that same feeling you have. Like, it's just giving me, like, shivers <laughs> up my spine. Well, I guess go- if we've learned anything already, it, the government is a great person to go to when deciding how to disseminate the news and who should be considered journalists. Yeah, yeah. If, if we learn anything from the Notley <laughs> government, this is uh, definitely where we want them. And then they conflated their agenda. Fry went on to say... With Show Me and Crave and things like Netflix. I love how she put Show Me and Crave as if, (laughs) what? That's first? What we're having is a whole lot of non-Canadian content coming into our homes, and we have a whole generation that's not really able to see Canadian content. Oh, no, people are watching Transparent. Everything's falling apart. What does that have to do with news coverage, A? And B, that is abject horseshit. It is easier to see Canadian content now than it has ever been in the history of Canada. If if you want to see Canadian content, it's at your fingertips. The problem is that people don't want to as much as they want to see the other stuff. And what is that? I don't know. What does it have to do with news? We're talking about two completely different things. Yeah. One is that, oh, people aren't watching Heartland. And (laughs) the other thing is, how are people getting their information for relevant news stories that have to do with our national identity and are just the facts of what's going on in their country? Yeah. Just like what's happening in your local community, like, are you informed? Do you have an opportunity to be informed? I think is a much more pressing question than are people watching Transparent or whatever the lesser Canadian equivalent is. (laughs) And then we have media researcher Barry Kiefel writing in the Globe and Mail calling for a multi-million dollar study into what Canadians want out of the CBC. So he's a media researcher and he's calling for a multi-million dollar bit of research to be done. Make of that what you will. But the context for this is that Melanie Jolie is our new heritage minister. The Trudeau campaign promised to give the CBC back $150 million, $160 million of funding. They haven't given it back yet. I can tell you that I'm hearing that this is all contingent on the CBC, like signing some memo where they promise a bunch of stuff, but no one's really clear what they're going to have to promise to get that money. And is that money going to go to news? Is it going to go to something else? Melanie Jolie has said some really whacked out stuff about how the CBC could learn a thing or two from Vice. Does that mean that they should do more product placement in order to get that money? Like, what does this actually mean? And I can tell between this call for a huge multi-million dollar study into the CBC and Canadians, this panel in Parliament to look at news coverage, 
they're going to Canada the fuck out of this problem. They're, they are, they're going <laughs> to What does that mean? They're going to committee it. They're going to study it. They're going to inquiry uh. it. They're going to throw millions in understanding it. They're going to be looking at digital technologies that will have changed by the time they're done looking at it. Sure. And I could save them some money right now. I was there the last time CBC threw tons of money at research as to what do Canadians want from the CBC. 85% of Canadians said, we want news. That's it. As the media crumbles and there's nobody doing local news coverage, as Canadian news coverage gets worse and worse, we don't need intervention into the newspaper business. We've already decided that there is a corner where the government's going to pay for Canadian news coverage, and that's called the CBC. And the CBC needs to actually start earning that money by doing news better than they are and not doing Heartland. (laughs) And they need to get out. The newspaper business is going to collapse. Other things are going to come. I don't want the government to be meddling in the newspaper business trying to prop it up while I am trying to build a business that actually is giving people something that some people want and can stand on its own legs and that other people, including Ezra Levant, are trying to start their own things and and other people who are doing things that are a bit more like informative news journalism. I mean, I want my heartland and I want my consistent, cohesive news coverage too. Do you I guess, want your heartland? <laughs> you know, as a gonna, uh, wh- Canadian like filmmaker. <laughs> you following the new season, Shadler? No, I'm not. Okay. I know they have horses. I think that as much as the Canadian television industry is really interesting and multifaceted and changing all the time and in its own identity crisis, it's important for us to produce our own shows. But I think comprehensive news coverage, yeah, you're right. It's just a whole things, constellation though. of different jumping off points. The real heart of that survey is that Canadians are less informed, I guess, if they're not following the news. I don't understand. I mean, I feel like everyone is peripherally following the news through a constant scrolling feed from your family and friends. So maybe you have to find a way to make the news more applicable to the users that are consuming it as opposed to kind of lambasting them for not following the news. I feel like if you get into a situation where a community simply does not have a journalist covering what their elected representatives are getting up to, Mm -hmm. then you can go to that community and say, look, we've got a problem here. Are you guys willing to put in five bucks a month each? Right. By choice to put a reporter into local town council meetings. Like if it has value and it does, it's not something that the government needs to mandate has value beyond the basic pledge to having a public broadcaster. I don't know. I guess maybe that's a conflict that I'm saying we shouldn't have government supported news except where we do. But I think that that actually is how I feel. It is a problem for our society if there's no journalistic coverage of vast swaths of public life. Like, that's a problem. Yes, I feel like that is really important. And I am a nerd and I like the long form take on it as well. And I wish there was more venues for deeper long form investigative journalism as well. Yeah, but in the States, we see that people like nonprofits and charities and businesses mm. are all popping at The Intercept, and then you've got ProPublica. People are doing that. Yeah, be, it's splintering be, off. It's splintering off because the newspapers aren't doing as good a job as they used to. Other people are stepping up. So whatever libertarian utopia some people have, we do decide that like the government will pay for sidewalks and fire hydrants and some basic services. And like for a very small amount of money we've put aside, like we should probably also make sure that we have some news coverage. Beyond that, I start to get really uncomfortable. Well, I definitely feel like I'm more aware of everything that's going on when it comes to the news, but I also feel like I'm dumber and not reading as much news. So it's sort of a thing where you're getting the tweet size length of the story or just the headline. So I feel like I'm this incredibly informed person, but am I clicking on the article? Am I reading about it? Am I actually engaging with the story? Yeah. And kind of getting the long view of it. I don't think so. I think I'm just knowing peripherally what it's all about, which makes me feel like I know what the news is. 
I think that that's like this larger problem with how we are rewiring our brains and we're all like miles and miles wide, but only an inch deep. That's a whole other problem. Jim. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. That's your Canada Land Shortcuts. Hope you liked it. You can email me always at jesse at canadalandshow.com. And we're on Twitter at Canada Land. Chandler, where can people find you? You can find me. I'm a person that doesn't know how to pronounce pundit at at Clevac. That's C-L-E-V as in Victor, A-C-K. That was the best part of the show when you, <laughs> when you said pundit. Feel no shame. Yeah, I'm glad that I'm a U of T graduate. <laughs> Our website is CanadaLandShow.com. Our crowdfunding site is Patreon.com slash CanadaLand. The next episode of CanadaLand will be up on Monday. The next episode of CanadaLand Commons will be up on Tuesday. You can get your tickets now to CanadaLand at the movies. Our guest is Robin Doolittle, and we'll be screening a really great film called Shattered Glass. That movie is amazing. It's a good movie. Oh, and Jeet here will be there too. This show is produced by Kevin Sexton. If you like CanadaLand... Please support us. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.